welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade and into the new trading session, where we take the pulse of the financial markets. We assess the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets and risk. Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system, and it's fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your host, Mr. Scott Redford, the Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston, head of research. Uh, let's get to it. Mr. Redford, what's uh, been crossing your mind uh, since last week? What's been uh, on the radar, sport, politics, the, the the mad world of Mr. Redford. What's going on? Morning, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I had, had a big weekend here in Melbourne. Couple, a couple of um, concert shows, as my daughter calls them. And um, it, it felt like uh, felt like Melbourne was back. You know, I was sort of 10 p.m. stuck in traffic in a taxi, and it felt good. Felt good. Felt good to be back. And um, you know, a couple of World Cups kicked off, of course. And everyone loves an upset. The World Cup always a highlight. And there's been a couple of absolute beauties in the cricket. I don't know. If Scot- you've been Scotland. Scotland, mate. Yeah, Scotland. Um, took down the Windies yesterday, the former powerhouse, and yeah. um, Namibia, the big one, hammered Sri Lanka. So you'd hate to be a, a talkback show host in Sri Lanka this week after after what happened to them on the weekend. And they're taking on um, the UAE this afternoon. So what was mm-hmm. a game where not many people probably would have tuned in, to be fair, looking at the fixture list all of a sudden has become a little bit interesting. And the exotic uh, rugby league that, uh, that you were talking about, you were saying that Samoa, I can't quite say in the accent that you, you pulled off last week, it was a lovely <laughs> accent, um, uh, very original. And uh, yeah, I think the the, the Poms smashed uh, Samoa, who were, in your eyes, a, 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 an underdog. Yeah, um, yeah, I made a mistake there, and um, it turns out that the Samoan camp is in disarray, and um, <laughs> well, a, number, a number of the, a number of the senior players have actually written to the Samoan prime minister, uh, requesting that the coach be sacked immediately. So you don't often see that, do you? You can't imagine that in other countries, you know. Um, and would you reckon what's the chance of uh, what's the chance of our acting on the, on on those letters, those uh, those non confidence votes? A mid-World Cup sacking, yeah, imagine that. I, I guess we have seen it before, haven't we? Who was the soccer coach that got fired? Was it Brazil? No, who was it? Yeah, I think probably sacked? Brazil. Is this, is this something that Sam after. Allardyce can fill in for? He's always the man they bring in whenever there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, right? thought so. yeah, there's been talk of Sonny Bill, talk of the Johns brothers, but yeah, I reckon Allardyce is a good call. Get him in there at short notice, yeah. Sonny Bill and his white trainers getting it done. Um, All right. <laughs> well, Mate, well, I think I think you can you can talk about the disarray of the Samoan team, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I guess it it doesn't sort of compete with the disarray that we're seeing in UK politics at the moment and the volatility that we're seeing in the pounds. So is something we can we can absolutely chat on. So I suspect that's what we will focus on. But uh, let's let's talk about market moves, Mr. Redford. Yeah, let's go around the grounds quickly and recap what we saw overnight. Um, in the States, it was a, a big bounce to start the week uh, following the weakness that we saw on Friday. Um, biggest rally we've seen since July, biggest one-day rally. NASDAQ finished up about 3.5%, S&P 2.6% up. Europe, n- naturally, we saw similar risk on moves, uh, though not to the same extent. DAX and CAC finished up about 1.8%, FTSE only up uh, 0.9%. In Asia, markets were more mixed, um, although yet to fully benefit from the improved sentiment, of course, and also grappling still with the the um, COVID zero approach. Nikkei off 1.2%, CSI and Hang Seng about flat on the day. Um, if we take a look at the sectors on the S&P, I'm reminded of Dennis Robin here, not just because of the uh, the flip from red to green, but also because I'm seeing powerful rebounds left and right, mate. Consumer discretionaries leading the way. Up 4.2%, closely followed by the real estate sector, up 3.9%. Uh, to FX, where we saw dollar weakness, the Aussie back up 
to the 63 handle. Dolly N hovering around that 149 level now. Um, Sterling, though, of course, as you mentioned, the big story rallying um, as the fiscal plan was ripped up over there. Cable up 1.7% uh, on the day. Commodities, natural gas was a standout. The US line was down 7%. The UK line down a whopping 11%. Um, iron ore also pulling back on the reiteration of that COVID zero policy in China. Um, rates and bonds, mate, talk to me. Well, this is where it all started from. I can't bring a basketball or even a sporting analogy into, into the rebound that we've been seeing. Uh, coming through in price and, and yields falling, but that's really where we are. We're starting in the in the UK because that's where that's where it all began. Um, and really, if you look at what's happened, obviously the uh, Jeremy Hunt's change or. or what had needed to happen with the big fiscal reversal, the decisive actions that he's taken there, um, you know, caused UK 30-year gilts to drop 41 basis points on the day. That's a big move. Uh, they closed at 4.37%, 10-year uh, down 36. These are, I want to say in brackets, whopping moves. 10-year mm -hmm. at uh, 397, closing by 4%. Um, the terminal rate in the UK, if you look at pricing, a small very small relief for, for UK households that have to refix their mortgages if they do choose to do so, or when they expire. Um, yeah, that terminal rate's dropped about 45 points or so. Uh, you go into the US, and I think this is where uh, you know things like the uh, the Nasdaq, as you say, one of the biggest rallies we've seen since late July came through. But you know, you've seen duration working quite well. Um, you know, you've seen twos down about five basis points, but real rates, five-year real rates down 10 basis points at 173. That's a really important uh, factor to make. And then we've seen a bit of buying coming through in, in, in bonds. Where does this leave interest rate settings? Well, if you have a look at the UK, again, one of my sole focus, we've got the, the next meeting coming up on the 3rd of November. We've got an inflation print in the UK tomorrow. That's going to be quite influential. And then we've got the Office of Budget Responsibility uh, coming through with their, their forecasts on the 31st of October. But ahead of that um, we've got the market pricing in 98 basis points of tightening at the 3rd of November meeting. So given the fiscal measures that have rolled off, the uh, the lower funding tasks from the Bank of England, you know, you have seen some, some rate hikes expectations coming out of the market. Uh, the next Fed meeting is on the 2nd of November. We're pricing 77 basis points, so a 75 basis point fully in the price there. Uh, you know, we're all fraternizing as to what is the terminal pricing. We're about 495 at the moment there. Uh, the UK, we do have RBA Bullock speaking today. Um, I just after 11 o'clock and yeah, we'll see what she says to say, but Mark is firmly of the belief that on the 1st of November, the RBA lift rates by 25 basis points. We've got 26 being priced there. We're going to Europe. Um, the next meeting is on the 27th of October. So we're looking for that uh, next week. And that's going to be one of the, the pinnacles and, and the must watch, which we'll talk about later in this week on Friday. The market's there pricing in 72 basis points. So 75 basis points, the default position for the market. And that is your rates and bonds wrap, Mr. Redford. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What's the talking points? Talking points, well, I mean, let, let's get straight back into Sterling. I mean, I saw a, a, a quote this morning, maybe it was a cruel one, but they said Truss has already buried the Queen, the Pound, and the Tory party nice. in a short reign. Um, so, yeah, do you want to chat further on what you're saying in UK politics at the moment and its effect on, on Sterling in particular? Well, you can talk about Jeremy Hunt's measures. Um but I think one of the most bizarre things that we've seen was it was was Liz Truss. She just had a meeting with 1922 committee uh, chairman Graham Brady, who is the man who taps everyone on the shoulder and says, "I think your day's done here. You know, we either get the letters uh, and we go through an acrimonious process, or you just maybe take yourself off and uh, to the back of the woodshed, sort of thing." Um, and I think that's kind of where she is. I mean, she's got a bit of a tap on the shoulder. I think he may, must have told her about how you know how many people have got little confidence in her and, and potentially they can change the rules because she looked absolutely 
absolutely broken. She looked shell-shocked in the chamber. In Parliament mm. today, she basically sat there. Uh, one, when Penny Mordaunt came out and talked uh, yeah, about the situation that was at hand and that the Prime Minister wasn't under her desk, which has caused rapturous laughs across not just uh, the Labour Party, but also um, you know, various members of the Tory party as well. Uh, and, and that was just an embarrassment in itself. But then we actually went to a situation where um, the man of the hour, Jeremy Jeremy Hunt stood up and talked about the reversal of, of the of, of the trust quasi um, tax plan, and she just sort of sat there blinking. It was it was just it's a blank. She, yeah, that's what for people people were talking about blank, lobotomies and 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 you know the post lobotomized kind of world. And, and she just she just stood there. And then when they walked out, it was a very bizarre and symbolic act that she just wasn't really ready to lead the country. And I'm 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 not going to give a political view, um, but you know it it, it really sort of said. That, yeah, a lot of people said with this this is not the actions of someone who who's prepared. She looks broken, she looks shell-shocked. So it feels like a matter of time before before you know she either gets her marching orders or through through no, through some sort of no confidence vote or the where the rules are changed under 1922 or she takes herself away from the role. Um, but look, you know, the pound the pound situation is is very different. You know, you, Jeremy Hunt basically came out, he had to change the actions, he had to act decisively. This is the easy measures that he's had to take. Um, and he just had to get some sort of credibility with the markets. He's done exactly that. He's pretty much changed every measure bar the uh, the national insurance contribution and the stamp duty cuts. Um, we've had some tweaks to the energy caps, um, which have been taken down and, and no longer uh, they're going to be in place for two years, but they'll be reassessed in April next year. Um, and ultimately, what they've done is they've taken the net net fiscal stimulus to about five billion pounds, um, which is kind of where the, the sort of line in the sand where the Bank of England says, you know, this this is okay. Um, and obviously, as a result of this, the the the, the savings that they're going to have is, is is probably about thirty or billion pounds. Um, and it means ultimately that the Bank of England's uh, sorry, the, the UK Treasury's funding task through the gilt market um, is going to be far less onerous going forward, which of course is a pound positive. Now we've had that refresh out of the way. We've had the absolute refresh. This had to happen. It's easy done. We're now left with a situation where spending is going to be cut in the UK. We're going to see higher taxation from where we are at the moment. And that's just going to lead to lower growth. So that keeps me pretty much bearish on the pound from a, from a tactical perspective. I think most strategists would say the same. The market's pushed up to 114 on the back of this, led by you know that, that big decline that we've been seeing in gilt yields. But tomorrow is another day. As a headline writer of potential Bond films there, Scott, um, <laughs> where do we go from here? I mean, that's the situation. We've had the refresh. We've got fiscal. Fiscal is now completely in the in the price. We're now back on watching, you know, can the um, government find another £40 billion in, in savings effectively to balance the budget? That's going to lead to lower growth. We're going to see lower growth um, in this situation. We've obviously got the Bank of England's temporary bond buying program out of the way. Uh, we've had that. It's in the price. Where do we go from here? What's what's the view from yourself and where do, where do clients sit on the pound? Yeah, I mean, well, where the clients sit now, client, clients are long stilling with us, um, not not in a massive way, and, and it's a position that flips frequently. Um, sterling pairs have been very popular, of course, as, as well as cable. We've seen a lot of trading in sterling yen, euro sterling, even um, sterling Aussie. Um, so it's you know for your active um, day traders, it's been great fun if nothing else. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, and it, it doesn't look like a story that's um, ending anytime soon, does it? I'm just seeing a headline now. Trust, sorry for the mistakes, but I'm sticking around. 
And, they all say um, that, don't they? They all say that until they uh, <laughs> until they don't. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. Went into one fourteen. We priced in the fiscal news. Um, the question is, is is let's see what happens with the CPI number this week. Let's have a look at what the OBR say on the thirty first. It feels to me uh, that, that a lot's in the price now. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, we, we we trade the reactions. We trade the price actions. So um, yeah, let's see what happens there. I think the gilt market leads us though, and uh, you know I think sterling will just just be a, a slave to what we see in the bond market. Yeah, a lot of people looking at the gilt market that maybe hadn't had a lot to do with it um, previously, aren't they? It's one of those things that's popped up that everyone's talking about. Um, US equity moves, mate, we saw NASDAQ was down 3.1% on Friday, up 3.4% on Monday overnight. Um, again, a day trader's dream. Well, you know, is it? Well, no, I mean, well, yeah, I don't know. This is a tough market for the shorts and for the bulls, you know, like over the longs. It's, it's, you know, you get these markets down, then the next day you're like, you get this. Three and a half percent Nasdaq rip your face off kind of rally playing through, and what do you put this down to? You know, James Bullard from the Federal Reserve came out and said that you know perhaps we can engineer a soft, uh, soft landing, and that that obviously plays into a market that sh- where confidence is shot to pieces. You've seen Bank of America sort of marrying up with that those good earnings that we saw from JP Morgan last week. JP Morgan on Friday up in a in a very bad tape indeed, and Bank of America came out and you know basically said that. The consumers in, in in a much better spot than what the market was was pricing, and yeah, these guys are really in touch. They have so many touch points in the U.S. economy that, that you listen to Brian Moynihan and 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 you know the earnings that these guys say. So I think that their 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 numbers have clearly resonated. Bank of America share price has obviously reacted, but it's 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 these kind of macro f- uh, factors that you can take out. And yeah, like we're in a market now that you, that could easily be up to two and a half percent in the S and P, three percent in in the Nasdaq. On fairly limited news, is it run for the day mm. traders? Yeah, I think you're probably right. But um, yeah, this is the world we live in now, where flow can change and, and hedging flows can move markets three and a half percent without with very little news. We're always trying to put a narrative on something, as I talked about last week. But sometimes it's just flow and you know and 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 you know, various factors and positioning that, that that make the move. And that's why we've got to be in front of the screens at this precise moment. If you're not in front of the screens, then you know that stop loss is really important. Where do you put it? Um, but yeah, I think sentiment's playing such a big part now. And um, 96% of stocks in the S&P were higher on the day. The question is, Mr. Redford, two questions, I'm back again. Do we see follow-through buying? Um, are we making a bottoming process? A move through a 3,800, in my opinion, in the S&P would be very positive indeed. Uh, has this got legs? Um, and, and how do clients see it? Yeah, our clients are, are actually looking for a bit of a pullback from, from the overnight rally. So they're short overall at the moment. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you give much weight to the? Um, we're seeing the start of the earnings releases this week. Netflix mm. is. The, we'll touch on that a bit later. But Netflix is the first of big tech to report. Yeah. Could that set a tone? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting, isn't it? Like um, Netflix, I think it's an idiosyncratic story. So you trade Netflix, you're yeah. trading Netflix. Bank of America, actually, you know, we were looking at, you know, their 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 view on the economy, and they've given it. Um, like I think for the. So I, I don't think. Generally speaking, if you were to if you were to say this, I'd say, well, you know, do we really think that earnings from the last quarter are going to move markets when the markets are looking at something that's happening 12, 18 months in the future? You know, we're trying to assess not really a recession anymore, but is something going to break? Is something is there going to be some sort of issue? Um, so I'm really not sure how a, an earnings season can play into this, but yeah, I think through 3,800, um, yeah, this this swing high that we got on the 5th of October <clears throat> would be very, very positive indeed for um, uh, for, for the equity market. That's the level that we've got to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, US dollar? 
Um, Mark two down but not out. We saw it pull back overnight again as, as it does at the moment with those correlations. What, what do you think there? I think we probably trade low. I mean, the risk uh, the risk is we, we we trade back into the into the October lows, fourth October lows that we get down to one ten. Um, yeah, we made a lower high last night. We made a lower low. It looks like hello, hello. It looks like <laughs> it. Um, it looks like it wants to trade lower. The balance of risk to me is that this probably trades lower. But what we're going to need to see is, is a continuation follow through in the equity rally. I don't think the Federal Reserve will want to see a lower dollar. I think a, a stronger dollar for them is pretty good. It's deflationary or disinflationary. Um, but the the way that the markets responded overnight is that that you've got. Uh, the, you know, we're trading sub 112 on the Dixie. Uh, Euro dollar is is looking like it might want to push up into sort of the top end of the recent channel. The the, the highs from the fourth October come in at well, uh, 99.97. So that's that's the big level there. So coming back into the figure there, I think it's probably got room to squeeze there. But yeah, I mean it's 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 another make or break trading session. And dollar yen's always on the mind. Um, We've got really big resistance coming in um, around sort of 149, so a little bit higher than where we are. And that's the, that's trend resistance that's been drawn from the uh, from the June June highs. So I think that's probably the, the level that I'd be wanting to fade it into. And, and yeah, we're obviously watching those bond yields there as well. So yeah, big one the session ahead. Um, one day, if big moves doesn't make a trend, obviously, and that's kind of what we're seeing because when we start seeing a, a trending dollar down, we know that some of that dollar positioning will start you know taking it out and and, and they'll flip. Um, and, and of course that will just perpetuate the move. So we're not there yet. Um, it's difficult to call with any kind of conviction, but yeah, good, good moves. And, and how are we seeing clients trade the dollar at the moment? You, you talked about some of those positions on the pound, but net, net exposure, um, uh, is the general feeling that dollars going down from here? Yeah, it is. Uh, clients are back to being short and in particular short dollar versus the yen that you touched on. I guess they're looking for intervention there and, and, you know, or looking at that resistance level that you mentioned. Yep. Okay. Last talking point today, Aussie dollar, um, volatile of late, very much a risk currency these days, of course. Yep. Um, any thoughts? Got a stronger. I was running the correlation analysis this morning, as I always do, and um, it's got two really startling contrasts. Uh, one is is what we're seeing with iron ore, so obviously it's natural terms of trade, um, and also really with the Hang Seng or some of the Chinese equity markets, a strong, very very strong correlation, thirty day correlation between the two is. Is getting into eighty percent. So yeah, I think really for me, if you don't have a live feed of, of, of iron ore futures, um, I would be looking at the Hang Seng probably as, as your natural barometer. But it's it's not really a reflection of what's happening in Australia. I mean, Aussie Kiwi has been under pressure recently, and I think that probably is uh, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think we're trading just so it shows shy of uh, sixty three cents at the moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it's, it does it is, it. is it making a bottoming process or is this the start of, a, of another leg lower? That's the question. Um, <coughs> I think, you know, you've really got to take a view on the Hang Seng in that situation. But yeah, well, as I said, really, we're looking at this, this word recession. And, you know, two months ago, we were like, we were toying up with the idea is, are we going to see a recession? Are we not? <coughs> Excuse me, frog in the old throat. Um, are we going to see a recession? In, are we not? I think that the consensus view now is that a global recession is 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 the consensus view, and people are now sort of going, you know, how deep is that going to get? Could could there be some sort of catastrophe along the way? Um, mm-hmm. And Aussie Aussie dollar has been your your vehicle effectively for expressing that view. That's all it is to me. 
Yeah. The Aussie dollar is a vehicle for expressing a view on global growth and and, and sentiment. So where do you go? It's not really what's happening in Australia, but you just say, well, how do I express this thematic in the market? The Aussie dollar is your go-to vehicle, and that's why it's being here. But it looks it's putting in a bit of a bottom at the moment. Can it can it make a stage up to sixty-four cents? We'll have to see. I haven't, my sort of systematic view is that uh, you know we're not there to, to to buy with any kind of conviction. But uh, yeah, if equity markets trade higher, especially the Hang Seng, then I think it's probably got a bit of legs. What do you think? As it goes with it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It really is the risk market of choice at the moment, isn't it? And in, in, in a way, one of the most simple ones. So, yeah, let's um, have a look ahead to the coming session, mate. We've, you've mentioned a few of them. We've got RBA minutes coming out uh, soon. Also, China GDP and retail sales later on this afternoon. I don't know if you're putting much weight on those. And, I think they do. Um, I think they delayed the uh, the China numbers. To be oh, honest. you're right. Actually, part of me, yeah, I saw that on the schedule. But you're right. That came out yesterday. What? Yeah. What's the? Should we be worried that they're delaying those numbers? Is there a story behind that, or is there nothing to say there? Um, no, no, I don't think that's the. Uh, I don't think that's the case. No, I, 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 I'm not worried about too much. I mean, the markets hmm. speak volumes, don't they? At the end of the day, and um, if the market was worried about it, then I'd probably be worried about it. Let them give the old proverbial tap on the shoulder, Scott, and say, yeah, Scott, we're worried about this. You should as well. I don't think anyone's <laughs> been overly worried about what, what we've been seeing there. It's in the midst no, of, the, uh, of the the plenum. We haven't heard anything really from the plenum. I know they've been talking about Taiwan and factors, but there's been nothing really that spooks the market. And of course, as short-term traders, that's really what we want to look at. If the market's been affected by this, then it's of interest to me. So, you know, People yeah. will come out and say, oh, you know, the market's wrong. They haven't factored this out. But, yeah, we're trading the short-term aggregation of flows. And, and if the market's worried, then we're, then we're trading that. So I'm not too concerned. What's it on the time? I like it. Okay. Um, what are you watching? Can you give us the market that you're uh, looking at at the moment, mate? number one? Well, I can't go past the pound. Um, you know, like the Sterling Aussies had a, a really good rally of late. Um but you know we've had we've had as I said earlier we've had we've had st- where the fiscal news has now been priced um, that that full reversal has been in there you know what you tend to see though we saw it as the US CPI we've seen it with with Fed meetings time and time again is you have this market move it you know this big move it prices things in um, and then you know we've got this refresh now the the question is is now we've had that refresh is how do people trade this so of course you know into one fourteen um, yeah a lot's been discounted so yeah how does how does Asia Europe trade uh, the pound now we've had this refresh of the, the fiscal position obviously with so much evolving with with Liz Truss's headlines so that's something I'm watching what are you what are you watching uh, I'm looking we touched on it earlier I'm looking at Netflix it is the first of big tech to report I, I mean you, you said it is idiosyncratic and sort of unique and you know it's, you look at Netflix in isolation in a way and and that certainly makes sense but I wonder if it could set a bit of a tone as the first of the big Big tech companies to report the season. It's down sixty percent year to date, although it has bounced off um, its lows a decent way. Investors yeah. um, are jittery. We've seen big moves on prior releases. We have um, Q1. Do you know the uh, the market's pricing year. in an eleven and a half percent move on the day of earnings? So this uh, this is, is another right? one for the volatility heads. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw a thirty five percent drop in Q1 on on its earnings release. There's been big changes since then, of course, tackling the issue of the shared accounts, move to an advertising model and, you know, of course, in- increased competition. So, yeah, one yeah. to watch overnight. I, I like the price action. It's had a steady time. grind, steady grind. Mm, mm. Uh, you got that 200 day, uh, 200 day, 284, I think. Yeah, I like the way this has been trading. It's it, it's it's made a bottom throughout May and July. It sort of stood, stood up, took that trading range up a little bit higher. It's been finding good buyers into that 100 day. It's really been capping the sellers off. It feels like, yeah, this the market wants to make a move higher in Netflix. Obviously, earnings are something that that, that that you'll wait, see what they have to say, see about the future, see about the program release, see about the competition. Um, 
and margins and all those factors. But, you know, the way that the market is responding at the moment, it feels that they want to buy this. They want to get this earnings season out of the way. So I like, I like, I like your, your call there. Anyway, um, what's your fact of the day, Mr. Redford? Back to the day today. In 2001, the Thai government established the Global Thai Restaurant Company Limited in an effort to establish at least 3,000 Thai restaurants worldwide. So it was a campaign to bolster the presence of Thai cuisine outside Thailand to increase exports and tourism revenues, as well as its prominence on the cultural and diplomatic stages. So it's no accident that you know you see Thai restaurants all over the place, mate. There's, <laughs> there's, um, you could you could choose from three templates as a restaurateur: Elephant Jump, that's your fast casual option at five to fifteen dollars a person; Cool Basil, the mid-priced option; and the upmarket Golden Leaf prototype. There you uh, go. And, and we yeah. don't we love our Thai food, Mr. Redford. We love it. We love it. Oh yeah, um, did we what? Yeah, I went to a cracking restaurant last week, tie me up in Elwood. <laughs> um, so if you're yeah, if you're ever down these ways in the market, that's a great spot. And uh, apparently North Korea is now trying a similar thing. Uh, cultural nice. diplomacy. So that's what keep an eye out for. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all that's all we've time for uh, in this week's open outcry. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, if you've got any thoughts or, or reviews, do leave them. Uh, if you want to reach out to, to me on on, uh, on Twitter, at chrisweston. underscore pepstone or p underscore ps, uh, and let us know how you're seeing the podcast. And, and if you've got anything that you want to implement there as well. Anyway, we'll see you back on, on uh, Friday for more of Open Outcross uh, from myself, Chris Weston. Goodbye. Cheers, Chris. Chat later in the week. Cheers, Scott. Thanks, mate.